Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman Podcast, where I truly enjoy sitting down with people to have go win conversations so that they can get their story out. Because I believe that three things happen, ladies and gentlemen. Three things happen when people share their story. One, we learn from them. We learn from their story. Two, we are inspired by their stories. And three, we connect with them. And I believe that when we connect with people, community happens. And I love to say this, ladies and gentlemen, I love to say this, community wins. And today, I got my man, Norman Marklin, on the video Skype because you know things are crazy right now so it's not very much person to person and so we're doing the best we can and so i am so thrilled uh to have my man with me today norman how you doing today and i'm good man thanks for having me man it's an honor uh to be talking to you despite all the circumstances and things that are going on so thank you for having me i'm doing good man that's uh doing pretty well for the circumstances i can't complain good 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 man so let's jump right into this man how, how did we first meet Man, I, man, you know, I, you don't, you probably didn't know me, but I knew you. I actually went to a, um, a relationship workshop. Um, this is probably back in 2014, 13, 14, yeah. probably 14. And uh, you was you was facilitating a, a relationship workshop. And, man, you were so animated and excited. And I remember you from there. But I think we actually met at Paradigm Shift uh, training. That's right. Uh, the yeah. official met. But I've always knew of you. Yeah. And I was like, man, that guy has so much fire and passion for people, man. I was just always, I've always looked up to you. Um, you didn't probably know me, but I knew you just from like your, what you represented and your yeah. passion for the community and people. So that's when I first met seeing you. But I think we actually met at officially at the Paradigm Shift training. Yeah, Paradigm Shift because in Muskogee. Uh, Muskogee, yeah, you Muskogee. came down. We we did a day's training, uh -huh. and I think yeah, because of there. your schedule, you you never really got into it fully, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still yeah. We so I never really got to like actually do anything, but just having a history with them, man. I still I'm still consider them family. Oh yeah, and for so sure. I actually want to still look for yeah. So I haven't been able to. Our, our schedules haven't aligned up as far as the need but um yeah i still love paradigm shift and i see you doing this thing out there with them and Derek, and yeah uh you know y'all my guy y'all my guys so yeah man definitely. i love it man i love it uh well let's go ahead and, and, and kind of have you share your story man like you can start as early as okay. birth if you want to up until now but let's get a little bit of your story out there real quick okay well um man so i'm originally from panama um i'm panamanian i was born there and then when I was at the when I when I was the age of two, my stepmom my mom met my stepdad and they got married. So uh, immediately at the age of two, I was kind of engulfed into American culture. Okay. So we were on an army base. Uh, so just typically like how that works is typically living in Panama City or living in the city and going to a, uh, a army base. The army base is typically Americanized. So um, I had a lot of opportunities being um, in middle class being. Um, having my father being in the military, so I got to experience a lot of different things, recreational management, uh, play sports, go to different camps and stuff. And so my stepfather actually decided to get out the military. Uh, so that's fast forward to the age of 10. And he literally got out the military. He's from Oklahoma. So he brought us back to Oklahoma. And then when I at the age of 10, I came in Lawton, Oklahoma. And then my stepmom, my step, my stepfather and mom split up. Um, and literally that became like my experience growing up in a single parent household um, through law and my adolescent years, which I've seen a lot of different things. 
uh, exposed to a lot of different things, kind of went from middle class family to impoverished, so kind of experienced situational trauma. Um, and so growing, going through junior high, high school, I was really passionate about sports and passionate about my community. And because I didn't have a relationship with my biological father or my stepfather anymore, I kind of gravitated towards my friends. Um, so playing sports, being in the community, um, I got, got in some trouble, was exposed to a lot of gangs and violence. Um, but literally like around the ninth grade, I started to like be exposed to different programs that would I feel like were more positively influencing me. And so I kind of made a decision that I knew that the people I was surrounding myself with and the things that were in our community were, were a detriment to me instead of what's going to propel me to success. And so I was fortunate enough to be always surrounded by people like yourself to tell me, hey, man, you're a leader. Um, I want you to go in this program. And I actually joined this program. It's a trio program, Educational Talent Search, okay. man. Yeah, and it saved my life. Um, so joining that program, I got access and exposure to higher education. Um, they literally like a person in my life has literally always grabbed me and been like, hey, man, I see more in you than what you're projecting right now. And I need you to do, I need you to do better because I see you have leadership skills. And at a time, I didn't know anything about that. You know, I was just a follower. Right. Yeah. So because, so because of that program, man, I, um, literally the day before. Uh, back then, it was called Oklahoma Promise. It was called OLAP. My counselor was like, fill this out. Do this. And she was literally taking me to college visits. And I was like, oh, like, I can go to college. You know, I can go out, outside of Lawton. So fast forward to high school graduation. I actually went, um, graduated, and got a scholarship to UCO. Um, then I went to UCO, man, and got real involved on campus. Um, again, my freshman year was another aha moment. I was a you know typical freshman from an underprivileged community, um, first generation. So I was out kicking it, partying, um, doing the most, not going to class. So my first semester, I actually got a 1.7 GPA, was on a brink of probation. Oh, um, and I had another lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had another lady, shout out to Carla Woods from the Title IX program. Um, she grabbed me, literally grabbed me, was like, hey, man, I see, I see leadership in you. I see potential in you. I want you to join this program. Um, and so I joined Student Support Services, another TRIO program. Um, and literally, I started really learning what it was like to be a student, uh, getting resources like tutoring, uh, access to computer labs, uh, tutors. So those things propelled me to really be more focused academically. Uh, so I joined the fraternity. Um, and then one summer, I actually worked for another TRIO program called Upper Bound. And that was like my aha moment because I got to work with Star Spencer, uh, Crooked Oak, uh, kids from the east side and the south side of Oklahoma City. And I was like, aha, like, this is what I want to do. I see myself in these kids and I want to pour into them. I, I want to be an example for them. And so that literally like motivated me to go to college, to finish college. And so I graduated knowing that I wanted to work with that type of community, communities like where I came from. So I got my graduated and got my master's in adult and higher education from University of Oklahoma, and I was blessed to be uh, kind of trickle into a director position at an upper bound program. So it all came full circle. So working with those kids was fulfilling for me, uh, was so was so uh, f motivational. But it was some it was a piece that was I felt like was missing. A lot of the kids that were from these communities, they were going to college and they weren't persisting and they were failing. And so, so I was like, well, well, how do I really solve this problem? How do I really be more 
uh, use my platform to encourage communities that are underrepresented. So I, I juggle with going to hire, going to get a PhD uh, versus getting more into like independent counseling, independent uh, uh, life coaching. So I decided to leave higher ed and then I went to the nonprofit sector where I currently am, um, work with impoverished communities. And so my goal is to really look at, I wanted to look at the cognitive psychological piece of why, how trauma affects those individuals. Because I would be at, at like places like OU, UCO, and there would be kids that were super smart, but they, they would just flunk out. So I always always want to like, why, why is that? Why am I, why am I successful versus somebody that I hang out with or, or go to class with or, or sit around with? So I always was curious about that. So I wanted to study what that looked like and what um, strategies and tactics could I put together to help those individuals that were falling through the cracks. Um, so really, that's really been my lifelong mission is to work with communities um, that are underserved because I feel like that's my purpose. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot. I've seen the things that affected me and helped me. And a lot of it has been connection. It's been connection to people, connection to organizations. So that literally inspired me to do the same thing for other people. So now I work at an organization called Pivot. Um, it's more therapeutic. So we do more um, life skills. We talk about barriers that present themselves from individuals living independent lives. So we look at the psychological piece, poverty, um, racism, things like that, to how we can look at that, unpack that, and propel you to be successful, whether it's in higher education or employment. Um, or just motivating people to really uh, uplift, be a part of their community. So that's pretty much my trajectory as far as how I became um, the profession I've been and my passion and why I feel so adamant about giving back to my community um, and working in the things that I do. Bro, that's legit, man. That's good. We're done, man. You got, you just shared it all, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> now, were, were you in high school in Lawton? Did you graduate from Lawton? Yeah, I went to Lawton. Yeah, Lawton Senior High School. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, man. That's really yeah. cool. Now, talking about these people grabbing you, right? What Now, mm -hmm. when they grabbed you or pointed this out to you, did they spend a lot of time with you, or was it just those moments that they spoke to you and they kind of kept clicking, or did they spend time with you and devote, like, they become mentors? What did that look like? Some of them became, like, mentors, more of a, it, it was more of a creating a support system, and it was kind of like a redirection, right? So, if, like, if you're in your car and you get lost in your GPS, they re, re, recalibrate, right? So, it was like they were taking me and redirecting me into another space that was more conducive for success for myself. So, like, the one in college was literally, like, more of a mentor because she was able to kind of expose me to different things, but they've always been, like, a support system. And so, I was like, well, people have done that to me for me that I always knew it was my responsibility and obligation to do that to somebody else, um, whatever platform that may naturally present itself. But they literally, literally like seeing something in me that I didn't see in myself, which I think it represents a lot of people. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I want to be that for, for other people, whether it's just living by example or being being representation in certain spaces. Um, and also like teaching the skills that, can be pivotal for you and your success in breaking the barriers that, that present themselves in your family. So a lot of them were mentors, but a lot of them were just planting seeds and redirecting me to other organizations that did the more mentoring type of thing. So there's a combination of both, right? Like you need somebody who may just, just kind of help redirect you, but then you need that person who's right. going to spend time with you and, and kind of go the journey with you or in a season with you in order to kind of keep you going in the right direction. And, and it sounds like you've had right. both. And, and sometimes I think when we talk about uh, 
these students or kids who who may be going in the wrong direction. I think sometimes it's like they're just missing somebody who can even just typically just redirect them, right? They're not even in the right. in a community where they can even get redirected. And so uh, it's it's, right. it's cool to kind of hear you you speak to that and how that's impacted your life. And I think that would be most successful people have a combination of both. There was somebody who pointed me, and then right. there was somebody who spent time with me. And so, what what right. were some things that uh, when Carla right was your mentor and spending time with you? What would be some things that you said, man? She really showed me X Y Z. What would be a couple of those things? So, before I give you an example, so I was a freshman, and so I thought like after I graduated high school, like I was pretty much I made it. Like I had made it out of Lawton. Um, I was the first one in my family, not only my immediate family, my whole extended family to go to college. So I didn't realize the subconscious innate things that were in, in me, things like not like study skills, things like how to dress for class, like how to speak, like confidence, like things that I feel like I missed lacking at home. Like she was able to expose me to that. So those are the things, those soft skills and those skills that I feel like were, what I do now are very important for people to understand. And I had no clue. Like I literally thought I was doing something good because I had, was in college, but a lot of the discipline, the resiliency, like those type of things that are, that needs to be taught to people or brought out of people, I was lacking. And so she was able to tap into something that I didn't even know and really speak life is speak life to me and also put me in a surrounding where that was conducive for my success. So I think that's very important. Yeah. 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 Now just real quick, going back when you were a kid, did you, was there anything that kind of spoke to where you're at now today? Did you, were there some things like now that you look back at your timeline, you'd be like, oh, I see. That's the reason I kind of gravitated to XYZ, even yeah. though you were a kid. What, do you remember some of that and what that looked like for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was more so now that I, now that I'm more aware, it was more so the feeling of belonging. Mm -hmm. So, I, I attribute that to like just being kind of in the adolescent years. We're talking about 12, 13. And I was like searching for something that I didn't know I was searching for. So that feeling of connectedness, that feeling of validation, that feeling of self-assurance was given to me by my circle of friends. Now, a lot of it wasn't healthy, yeah. but it was more about the feeling. So now I look back and I'd be like, wow. So I know my experiences and I wasn't like a juvenile or a bad kid, but I, I pretty much feel like majority of people want that feeling. So you can like you can get that feeling in something positive versus something negative, but you have to be able to distinguish the difference of the two. Mm -hmm. So I look back and I was searching for that self-fulfillment, um, that community, that acceptance, like I said, and I didn't realize that being a part of some type of communities was gonna be very troublesome for me. And it was leading me a path that a lot of my friends went down that I look back and a lot of them were, a lot of us were in the same space, but we just made different decisions. No fault of our own, but just a matter of who we were surrounded by yeah. and what we were exposed to. Yeah. So that's why I, I really that really like sparks my brain and keeps me up at night. Like, how do we look at connectedness? How do we the things that you talk about go win and community and churches? Mm -hmm. And that's so important for people to be surrounded by because they're literally nature versus nurture literally projects them to where they're gonna be. And you have to be very intentional about that stuff when you talk about your independent and your growth as an individual. Yeah, that's so good. I remember um, Marcus Jackson was on Cadence 
was on my podcast. Yeah. And he talked about some of the same things about his childhood. And I think yeah, a lot man. of us can, where he talked about gangs and how gangs gave him yeah. that. And, and they were in. Yeah. They, the, the thing about gangs is they're intentional about reaching out to you. Right. And pulling you in. Yeah. Yeah. They, they know that if I can bring you in, validate you, make you feel tough, give you a certain kind of confidence, you're going to ride with them, right? right. Because you they right. you start pointing to them and be like, man, I'm going to be around the person who's who's lifting me up. It may not be in the right way, but it, it's right. happening. And you you like, man, I'm, I'll die for you because you've done something for me right. internally. And uh, we got to figure out how to continue to bring – uh, young people into the positive community and circles. But let me ask you this. So in my life, I had the positive and I had the negative. I still, th- there was something in me that said, I know that's where I'm going to end up. But right now I really enjoy hanging out with the thugs, you know, even the, and so there was always right. things like, like I was around friends who carried guns, but I never would carry a gun. Like, cause I knew there was something right. in me that I'm like, I ain't going to do that. Sold drugs. I never sold drugs. It's always like, no, I don't want to do that because I know that that can take you to another place, right? But there was still this right. thing that gravitated me to him, and I think sometimes it was the validation that I got from being around him, and and it seemed funner yeah. than going going to church. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. How, how do you speak to young people about those those two different things? Right. So. I try to like, now that I'm more understanding, I've never, never looked down on anybody's experiences by circumstance. So a lot of it's like looking at your family history and understanding, like for me, I was fortunate and I don't know your story, but I was fortunate to be more situational poverty. So my parents split up and I just happened to be engulfed into impoverished community. But some people have this in their family, like three or four generations. So let's say like a lot of my homies, that was gangbanging, they was fourth generation Hoover Crip or, you know, they was gener- generational. Yeah. So there's a little more incentive to follow the path that was set before you. So I look at my experiences, I don't necessarily put myself on the pedestal, but I say, well, I was fortunate not to be like generate, like my mom and parents didn't grow up in these environments. So um, when I talk about that stuff, we talk about like the skill part of it. So there's, I wouldn't say like gang, let's talk about like, when you talk about gangs, you're a part of a community and you're part of the uh, and, uh, organization. So what are some positive things that you learned through that? So I try to talk to students about mm, and kids about, like, let's good. take the positive and transition that into something that's legitimate or there's something that's successful. So when we talk about being in, in, in a, a poverty community, stricken community, you're pretty much Brazilian. Like if you can res- be, persist through that, then you can transfer those skill set into an employment job or a business or higher education. It's literally about being aware cognitively and knowing like you feel comfortable because you've normalized this behavior in this environment because you're so used to it being in this neighborhood. But once you go to a workspace or a college environment, they may not feel comfortable. So kind of psychologically, you're like, I don't really belong here. So you have to learn how to establish that belonging by surrounding yourself with people that connect. And that's a skill. A lot of people don't understand. That's a skill you have to learn to do. Like, how do I find mentors? What do I do? What does mentor look like? What are positive mentor? What does positive mentor say to me? And be able to understand that. So when I talk to youth, it's literally like a training. Like, let's talk about how to connect to somebody positive. What do you need to do? Because what their subconscious is going to lead them to do is what's around them and what they've been exposed to. And that a lot of times is negative. So it's not necessarily like looking down. It's about let's be aware of our surroundings. Let's make critical. Let's make critical decisions. And let's understand the consequences of the things that we choose to do and how we 
um, surround ourselves with. Because most people, this from my experience, most people are going to be like, like you, they're going to experiment or be a little rebellious, but yeah. it's the ones that take it a little too far. Yeah. It's taking it a little too far, right? So how do we like know, okay, like, okay, this is wrong. I feel it consciously. Let me, what, what do I do now? How do I get out of this situation where I know I'm going to be talked about or I'm not going to fit in or I'm not going to get my stripes? Like, what does that look like? Let me like tip, let me find a way to navigate through this crisis because it's a crisis. So that's a, to me, that's a psychological process and skill set that kids and communities that are stricken by poverty and gang violence need to be aware of that literally if you walk out the door, this is what you're exposed to. Yeah. Similar if you're exposed, if like if you're if you grow up in a household full of doctors, then you're gonna be more successful to being a doctor. Yeah. So same way, if you grew up in a neighborhood full of gangsters, Crips and Bloods, then you're probably gonna have a higher percentage of joining that gang. So really just unpacking that and what that looks like from a personal level and also from a systemic level too. Because a lot of times we stigmatize people that are in gangs or kids. But a lot of it is just like there's no difference in joining a gang than you being in a community that's privileged and joining the boys club or sure. YMCA. It's really just what you're exposed to yeah. and learn teaching. Just because you're exposed to it doesn't mean you have to make that decision. And if you do make that decision, learn when to draw the line and learn when to walk away for your betterment of your life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, you said you play sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I grew up playing basketball. And again, I was fortunate to, to have that sense of brotherhood and connectedness to my basketball team, right? So, you know, I, I grew my that was my brothers. They was my family. I didn't, you know, I, so growing up playing basketball, so a lot of my time was devoted to hooping uh, and being being in the community centers and on the streets playing basketball. So did I you, was definitely fortunate. Did you play all the way through high school? Yeah, I played all the way through high school. Yeah. So are, are some of those things that you learned uh, playing basketball in, in your early days, some of those things that you learned through being on the team and things of that nature, are those things you're teaching now? And ha how are those things yeah. applicable to your life? Yeah. So I learned like the teamwork aspect, the competitiveness, the uh, work ethic, the discipline. Um, and again, that's that's what, we're, what, we, what you're asking, what we're talking about is what skills are you getting out of these experiences? Yeah. So um, that for me has been fortunate because I'm a real disciplined person. It's actually one of my strengths. And I think I learned that early on from having positive coaches that were like, no, we're going to continue to do this repetitively until you get it right. Um, so now I was like, so what, 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 and what platform do you can, can you develop a sense of discipline and what does discipline look like and how can you implement discipline in your life? If you've never been expected to do that, then you may not understand that skill set. Right. So I would say discipline, working as a team, compromise, um, communication. Those are the core skills that you learn. Uh, and then a, a sense of uh, build resiliency, like, you know, playing on the streets or playing in the hoop in the courts. Like if you lose, you're going to be out. So gives you a little bit of grit, a little bit of resiliency. And those things are applicable to anything we do in life, the core of it. So I really try to unpack that and make kids or people un understand, like, what's the foundation um, as far as the skill set that you learn in any situation that you can transfer into this space, right? Yeah. Um, and be and be successful. Um, we're talking about adaptive functioning skills. And so I, I found joy and pride in that. And a lot of people are unaware. They just think, oh, well, this is my life or this is who I am. But no, nah, you learn some valuable skills. Like you learn some traits yeah. and you learn some things to navigate and like let's let's use that to build up that to, to use that as part of your story and continue to grow. Yeah, I wish we would be more intentional about 
as we as we are bringing uh, kids and students up through sports that we're super intentional about showing them how this looks in their life later. You know, oftentimes we'll right. teach them these things, and and uh, but we never really compare like how this is going to look outside of football, outside of basketball, right. and how it can help you be successful. I think as we live, we begin to look, recognize those things, especially as we may start having conversations with people and they start asking and being intentional about asking those questions. Then they can we start identifying as we go through our timeline, oh, I learned teamwork from being on this team. Right. Compromise. Now, I, I never heard anybody say talk about compromise and learning that through right. playing on the team. But talk, talk about yeah. what it means to – because I think that's a very important thing. Like you got to be willing to, as, especially as a leader, I think learning to compromise only yeah. helps you because yeah. really it's about serving others. I see leadership as a way of serving others. So when you call me a leader, that means, man, they see me as a person who's compromising as far as like, it ain't about right. me. It's about them. And I don't need, I don't, I'm the, I'm not have the big house so I can go and serve in the, in the area right. maybe that's, that doesn't have that east side Oklahoma City, you know, on some in certain right. parts of that. So talk about compromising and how, how that's important to you. Yeah, I had a really good coach uh, in junior high, Coach Turner. Uh, actually, shout out to Coach Turner. So he, like, I was a point guard, so being a leader, uh, facilitator, like, I learned, like, the importance of doing your role, right, and not, like, looking for other types of characteristics or validation, but look at it from a collective perspective. So I learned like the importance of like playing defense, hustling. And then I will give, I say this, when I got in trouble, like he, he was a good coach that he held me accountable. Uh, like actually one time I was in, the funny story, I was in eighth grade and I mooned this girl, right? I, and coach now did you moon her at school and, or away from I, school? I, I, mooned, I mooned, I was very childish as a kid, right? <laughs> so, I, so in PE class, I pulled back my bridge. I mooned her, right? Yeah. That, I don't know what I was thinking. So my PE teacher told my coach, my coach came in there in practice, like, you ain't playing, right? So if, you, if you're going to be on this, again, holding me accountable, so you're going to be on this team, you're going to have to understand, like, you're going to have to compromise. So you're going to have to compromise some of your behaviors in order to be a leader. And, and, and have, there's some consequences for things that you do. Yeah. So off the court, um, and I, I, he was a good model for me, man, as far as, like, what he represented. So I think what you said, like having a good coach will keep, will, will, will harp on those things. Yeah. So he, he was like that for at an early age. Like, yeah, you can come to school and clown all you want, but if you're going to play on this team, you better have your grades. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to be this, you're going to have a good best. So he was teaching us that early on. He didn't play. Yeah. So I, I'm thankful for that foundation, but on the court, compromising, passing the ball, you know, I wasn't the best scorer, So I had to, uh, you know, compromise for the lead score, but I, there's the other things I could do to make our team uh, better. So again, that's a skill set um, when you're working as a team, whether it's on the court or in the in the workforce, yeah, right? Yeah. Or it's in your community. Like really not looking at yourself from an individualistic perspective, but what can I bring to the table to make us better collectively? And let's focus on those those strengths that I have and those skills, and how can I make the at-large thing a lot better instead of just focusing on me, 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 me. For sure. That's good. That's good, man. So, you know, thinking about this, I don't think these are things that, and I don't know, in your organization, are you working with adults and young folks? So I primarily work with uh, young adults, so okay. tra- kind of transient, transient, transitional years, so 16 to 23. Okay. Um, right. So those years, again, those years when you you start thinking you've grown and you start wanting to do your own thing and you may be a little rebellious to your parents or your home situation and you think like, oh, I'm about to do this. And a lot of 
statistics show a lot of the times crime happens typically around that age. Okay. Um, you start to develop you start to develop your identity when you go to college. You start developing your core groups, whether your religious, political, economic beliefs. You start joining clubs. So that that age grab is very. Uh, I'm very passionate about it because typically that's where people start developing who they are as young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll literally see a switch in ideologies as you go from, you know, teenagers to young adults and who you become exposed to. A lot of people may experience their first relationship. And it's like literally the people you surround yourself and come across like that makes the difference in those critical developmental years uh, for your life. So t- I typically work with them in high school and follow them until they're like 23, 24. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the same age as Job Corps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same age. Sixteen to twenty-four is uh, what Job yeah. Corps does, and so I've, I've had experience working with Job Corps, and very, very fun, man. I, I, I really enjoyed working with those students. Uh, I hear so we have a Job Corps. I'm in Guthrie, in uh, in Oklahoma, uh, and so we have a Job Corps here, and I had the opportunity to work with those students for a number of years, and so uh, very, very good experience for me, man. What you doing for fun these days, man? I know you're doing uh, serious work, working with these students, and and helping them uh, move forward in life i like to say uh i like to help people go further yeah. better so what you doing for fun man what are y'all doing in oklahoma city for fun these days well currently not anything but being yeah. quarantined so <laughs> so we gonna act like it ain't quarantine the season <laughs> right, right 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 but before that you know i hung out with my girlfriend my uh my friend we hang out and go out kick it i still like to go out i'm a very social butterfly yeah i have a high social aptitude so i like to still connect so i like to go out um, hang out with friends and really just be in a community. I work out. I try to read. Uh, and my daughter, me and my daughter spend a lot of time together too. So yeah, y'all TikTok do a lot of fun. Are y'all actually yeah, TikTok? Yeah, man, she got you... me. Hey, man. Huh? Are y'all actually TikTok or are you just doing it on Instagram? I don't see the TikTok. Man, she, we, we, uh, no, we do. We, I have a TikTok, but she made me get a TikTok. So I only have two posts on there. It's, I've just started it. But so she literally watches TikTok dances. Uh-huh. And so she, she, she watched every since we've been in quarantine. She's been watching TikTok dances all day, every day. So and she's like super determined to learn these dances. So we, yeah, she made me learn one, and so I, I get it. I got it real competitive and started teaching her. We started doing it together. So it actually, you know, just trying to look at the positives of spending time together yeah. and trying to make fun yeah. of fun of make light of all this, you know, things that are going on in our community, our society right now. Now, how how old is she? She's four, man. She's man. four. She just turned four in November. That's super cool. Like y'all are doing it too. Like I wouldn't be able to even remember all those moves. <laughs> I was proud of you, man. man. I was like, man, you're a little younger than me, but I was like, you at you going at it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to stay youthful with youth <laughs> I work with. I try to stay. I stay for the culture, you know. Stay, you know, so I can relate to her a little bit uh and say be the cool dad I always, when i was young i always want to be the cool dad so i think i'd be the cool dad now yeah so. man well you doing it with some TikTok now uh talking about staying relevant so you can connect with these students like how do you like are you naturally uh do you naturally gravitate to the same kind of music that they do or is that is that challenging for yeah. you okay so see like how i look at things is so interesting i always look at my experiences so i grew up very hip-hop uh and so now as an adult i'm like okay like that to me like i look at i try to look at the skills and all the positives so being able to like be youthful spirited and like not necessarily know all the dances but be able to relate and engage with some of the dialect and conversation and language that the young people do so when i start they may see me and they be like oh he he's a squirt they be like oh he a squirt he got glass he a nerd he wears suits and stuff but then when i i'm able to identify with them 
and communicate. And then we talk about some of the same pop things they talk about, whether it's culturally or food. And they're like, oh, okay. So for me, that's that's my strength in building rapport and being able to connect with people. And I particularly feel like God's giving me a youthful spirit yeah. um, to where I look young. I look younger than I really am to be able to relate, you know? So I've taken the positive out of it. And even with my daughter just being, you know, you know, never being too serious and not have fun and, uh, you know, be, you know, work out and stay youthful as much as I can. So when I take a you, I'm able to have those conversations um, and they don't necessarily look at me like I'm on a pedestal, but I'm kind of one of them and they see, they see themselves in me, which I think is a cool thing. Yeah. Do you, so do you have a top five, uh, hip hop artist? Top five? Yeah, man, of course. Who, who's, who's, so who's, in, say, who's in your top five? You want to rank them or you want no order? What you want? Uh, let's rank them. Okay. I would say number one is Jay. I got to give it to Jay. Jay. I would say Jay-Z number one. I would say two, Tupac. I would say three, Biggie. Uh, I would say four, Andre 3000. And fifth is a toss-up, man. But I would go ahead and say Kanye, old Kanye. Uh, I'm going to say put Kanye at fifth. I, I'm, oh, wow. At fifth is like Kanye, Eminem. But I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Kanye for number five. Okay. So so you put Jay-Z over Pac, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just because of longevity, man. Like, I'm a big Jay-Z fan, and his his lineage, what he's done, yeah. is crazy to me. Like I, I, I started liking Jay Z when, I, uh, like 2002, Blueprint, first okay. Blueprint. Yeah. So I've been, I've been a diehard Jay Z fan since then. And man, what he's done, what he continues to do, is remarkable, man, to me. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Andre yeah. 3000, that's a good pick. Man, cold with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had, he hadn't put out a lot of the body of work, but to me, he's still assassin lyrically. So, uh, you know. I like the foundation of what he represented when he came in the game from the South. Um, literally, what I feel like was a pillar for the South when it came to hip hop. So I got to give him his, his just due. Now, you know, somebody that, I, that I've always liked, but typically does not land in people's top five or top 10 is Wyclef. Wow, you like Wyclef? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I thought he. I thought that, he huh? That, that Fuji movie was crazy. Yeah, man. Lauren Hill, man. Oh, I thought was, she was. Yeah. A, Ooh, that was. They was they. That's the era we come from, man. That '90s era. Yeah. Like I would feel like it was still a little, little bit soulful. Plus we had technology. Yeah. So it was like, oh man, that was crazy. Like as far as musicianship, yeah, Wyclef is the beast. Yeah, man. Now I thought, um, um, it, I think it's interesting. Like I'm not, I'm not as relevant and in, in, as into it as you, you probably would be. But R&B just, I feel like it's dropped off. Like. It, R&B in the 90s, man. Like, we we had the yeah. best of both worlds, man. Uh, right. R&B, hip-hop. I mean, even if you went country guard, I mean, like, we just had a good mix of uh, everything in the 90s, right. man. And so, because R&B, do they – who's R&B artist? I don't even know. I, man, it's kind of like pop now, I would say. So, like, I think, like, the girls represent for R&B, man, like SZA, uh, those type of artists. But I would say it's more like pop. I mean, you still got Chris Brown and Trey Song. Yeah. Um, then you got like the other artists like Black, Six Black, and then uh uh the uh, I can't think of his name, uh The Weeknd, like those type of R and B artists. But it's kinda like a new genre, kinda like uh but you're right, like we grew up with uh like the early Ushers. Oh man, Jodeci. Those type of Jagged, Jagged Edge, Jodeci, yeah, H Town. H Town, man. O. R. Kelly. Oh you know R. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before <laughs> Before we knew about all with the stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, man. There's a lot of old, like the old yeah. Bill Cosby, man. you know. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you gotta be careful. Say, I can you say that before we do it. Yeah, before we had access all that stuff. Yeah, like... man. No, the uh, technology, internet, social media has just changed. Yeah, just how I was talking to but you. Know, uh, you know, I think... go ahead. You know, I think happens. Sorry, like I think when it like the art, the artistry of music kind of is more like business now. Mm. And you see it like, or even with the NBA, like I think it's more about branding and yeah. marketing and making yeah. money instead of the actual art. Yeah. So like the old school, like we talking about, we go back to like uh, the Temptations mm -hmm. and those type of artists. Like I feel like it was more artistic. Like they were really feeling it. And now it's kind of more about the branding, the marketing and the money. Yeah. Right. So you kind of lose like the sense of the, the real core of it yeah. um, as you kind of go on and it becomes more about business. Right. That's just my opinion. I don't know. No, I think so too. And I think... I but but I think what even in like sports and all this social media has just changed the way people just approach yeah. everything. Because I was just like, could you imagine like LeBron's on TikTok? I could never have seen Michael Jordan on TikTok. Never. You know what I'm saying? Like I was telling, I was talking to Sean Johnson about this. I just we just had a go in conversation, and I was like, man, there there are some things now that I'm saying. Charles Barkley wouldn't have never been on TikTok. You know. Like <laughs> yeah, it's different. Yeah, it was a different generation. Different. Yeah, era. which I, I which I, 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 I like. You get to see a little bit more. Right. That's the cool thing is that you have access to that because mm -hmm. like the good and the bad. Because I mean, I, we didn't like we didn't have social media and stuff, but we talked a lot more and met up a lot more. Oh yeah. But man. we didn't. We weren't. We weren't exposed to a lot of the stuff we 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 could we have access to now with our phones. So yeah, the good and the bad. Yeah, I was. I I, I got the opportunity to interview uh, Nikki Nice. Councilwoman Nikki Knight. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. she and I were yeah. talking about the twenty third days. Um, on twenty third on in, on the east side, man, it used to, yeah. it would be jam packed with people, and we had streets like that here, even in <laughs> Guthrie, and the smaller communities are. I think think about Freaknik or Black Beach Weekend, things that I've been to. Like, there's no type of gatherings like that anymore because yeah. everybody's on social media, which I miss. Like, my kids have never experienced that, uh, being able yeah. to go to it's a funny block. How it's crazy how the world evolves, right? Like mm -hmm. even from us being kids, like the world has changed so much. Yeah. Uh, it's just crazy. It's ludicrous. Yeah. Now, now going back to your work, how did they come up with the name pivot? Is, is that, am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we are formerly, uh, we are formerly youth services of Oklahoma County. So it's basically a state agency and we were around since 1972, but in the last five years, we wanted to kind of get away from, Kind of the whole stigma of like agency like dhs nothing against dhs but we didn't want to necessarily look at the service part because a lot of people in the community would be like oh i don't want to be services so we kind of looked at going more into uh, a kind of independent kind of nonprofit. so we rebranded and changed our name i came in 2016 and we, we changed our name in 2018 so it's literally been two years since we changed our name what was what was the um what was the thought behind the new name just kind of a rebranding so uh, I, when you talk about like, when I first came, we were youth services for Oklahoma County. So that's kind of like a, in my opinion, a lot of youth we work with, it was kind of like a state agency type of stigma feel. Um, and so we kind of wanted to get away from the whole idea of like, oh, we're associated with like DHS or state departments or nothing against those organizations. It's just that once in the community, there's kind of a stigma when it comes to like, are you involved in DHS? Are you involved in youth services? Yeah. Like we didn't want fam we didn't want families to feel encapsulated. So we kind of changed, rebranded to look at more of a like a, com a community empowerment from a holistic perspective. When we talk about basic needs, counseling, um, 
uh, intervention and diversion programs, education and employment. So looking at the skills that we can help families and individuals kind of foster so they can live their independent lives. So necessarily more of a, a, a perception and an idea of a of name and branding. So we wanted to kind of move in a different direction. And then also for donorship, we used to be a, a very reluctant, very uh, dependent on state funding. Um, so we wanted to kind of be more independent uh, donorship. So seek out more community partnership, uh, more donorships and uh, individual donors. And so we felt like by having a kind of a new name that we could kind of go after those instead of be relying on state funding or federal funding. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I just like the name Pivot. And so I didn't know if like, yeah, when yeah. y'all were sitting down, y'all was like, oh, Pivot, because we're at, you know, like the way we approach, yeah, yeah. you know, so I didn't know if there was a thought like that behind the name itself. And so. Uh, yeah. that's cool though. It kind of helps uh, change the paradigm as far as how people think and yeah. look at you all. So, uh, exactly. Really, that's yeah. Right. Cool. Now are you, so I know you said you're very disciplined. That's one of your strengths. Are you a routine guy? Like, do you got a morning routine? What does that look like for you? Yeah. How do you approach your days? So traditionally I, very, I was, I was very methodical and lately in the last years, I've tried to be more, uh, more open-minded. So, but I, I try to start my days in the word, uh, in the last, Four or five years, I've tried to be more into the spirit, more into the word, learning scriptures. So I start off my day by reading scriptures, devotions, uh, and really trying to really kind of get my mind right for the day. Yeah. I, I try not to get on social media until I get to work or during the day. Uh, so I really try to put myself in a positive frame. So I, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of motivational videos, YouTube, and then also uh, prayer in the morning. Okay. Who who's some of your uh, yeah. people that you jumping on as far as podcast goes? Uh, so actually, a, a lot of local ones, and then also like I like uh, the hip hop preacher Et Thomas, okay. of course. Uh, uh, I listen to a lot of sports podcasts, uh, sports radio, uh, uh, a lot of the big time preachers. Uh, okay. I like listen to in the morning as well. Okay, so, that's cool. Cool. Now yeah. I like Joyce Meyer. Like somebody Joyce Meyer, man, she be. Joyce Meyer be spitting. Joyce Meyer is old school, man. That's hey, man. I love hey, I love Joyce Meyer. When I hear when I see a little thing on YouTube, yeah. motivational. She, I don't know. She speaks to me, man. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> man. Joyce Meyer be spitting, man. <laughs> man, I be like, this lady be talking to me, man. You're like, you ain't sleeping on Joyce. Don't sleep on Joyce. Hey, Joyce, hey. Hey, I love Joy T D Jakes too, but Joyce, man, I when I hear her voice, man, yeah. that little country accent, man, Joyce yeah. is getting me motivated. Talking about her husband Dave and how she submits yeah. to him. He's the leader, even though she's the face of the organization and all that, man. And so uh um man, Battlefield of the Mind is one of her books. Yeah. Man, great book. Uh-huh. Uh that was man, I early nineties, I think when I read that, but it really, it really made an impact on my life. And, uh, no, I used to listen to Joyce quite a bit back in the day. I'm talking nineties, yeah, man. man. It, she's been around forever. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, how do y'all go about teaching, uh, your young people about things like a morning routine and, and, uh, how they approach their days and goal setting. What does that look like for y'all? Is that something that y'all stress goal setting things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when we talk about service delivery models or kind of plans of action, personally, I like to look at um, when we talk about like a lot of times when you say like, what do you want to do? What's your goal? They'll say a big, broad goal, but then learning how to break that down. uh, So we talk about smart goals, uh, setting objectives. So let's say uh, I want to lose weight. Right. So what does that look like? So we're going to break it down. 
okay, uh, what does that look like for the month? So I need to work out three times a week, uh, four times, uh, four weeks out of the month. I need to work out at least three times. So what does that look like during the day? What can you do? Uh, so having those really is just having those conversations yeah. um, and then having the youth be aware of like how, how they can implement that in their own lives. So again, when we talk about skill set, that may be a skill that no one's ever taught them how to set a goal and how to accomplish it. Right. So it's about personal accountability. So when we talk about like uh, triggering things like anxiety and depression. Like let's talk about your patterns of behavior. Like what are you doing every day? Um, if you're in a toxic environment, how do you how do you disassociate from that in the moment to have a sense of peace? Um, maybe it could be 30 minutes or 40 minutes. How, you know, what what resources can you tap into that are around you um, that can help foster some of this healthy behavior? So, yeah, a lot of it's conversational and then having them understand how to keep themselves accountable. And then hopefully that teaches them a life skill so they can uh, uh, do that on their own, kind of teaching them how to fish. Um so they can be really self-sufficient and be independent in their own life. That's our goal is to really teach skills and empower people um, so they can take care of themselves and get out and get through and navigate. Because everybody has problems. Everyone has challenges. But it's about how we cope and how we navigate through those problems that really define who we are. And so really teaching that and teaching youth not to pretty much encapsulate their trauma. So a lot of the youth that I work with come from inner city communities or been in DHS custody their whole life. So. How can we unpack that and make that a part of your story and make that a part of your purpose? Um, so a lot of it could be spiritual. A lot of it could be religion. It could be what's your motivation to break um, those generational cycles in your family. So a lot of it's just conversation and then teaching them the skills uh, for them to be successful. And I do a lot of other mentoring and things on the side, uh, like with my scholarship program, um, things of that nature in my community that I feel like a lot of it is just modeling and behavior. Um, and people, that's the, people more so learn by what they see what they see you doing rather than what you tell them. So just kind of showing them and being an example is, is really what we try to do. Yeah, no, that's good, good, good. Yeah, let's talk about your scholarship program, man. Hi, when did you start yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. How, how did you start it? What's the goal there? So so Markland Motivate Scholarship Foundation, it was just an idea. I always had this kind of like a conundrum of like, I didn't feel like I was doing enough for my hometown. Again, I always look at my experience and I said, man, there was so many people that poured into me I felt like I wasn't doing enough uh, for my hometown or law of the community, right? So I had this idea of starting a scholarship program where I, when I was in school, we didn't have a lot of people that went to college. I didn't have a lot of people that came back and said, hey, this is what college is like. We had counselors, but they were counselors. So I wanted to use my story to create a foundation, uh, one, to give financially, but two, also to be like a life skill and a case manager and a mentor piece to so use like, man, this guy came from the same neighborhood I came from. How did he do it? Uh, again, providing that sense of belonging. So I started it three years ago with just an idea, man. I really had the idea like eight years ago, but I was too fearful to put it out there. So three years ago, I was like, man, I'm going to do it. So I started developing the, you know, the paperwork and all that stuff, the branding. The, uh, and so I literally I just started asking my friends for donations and, my first year, I raised a thousand dollars, and that may not be a lot, but giving out a thousand dollar scholarship is a lot to a young male. So it's particularly designed for African American men from Lawton, um, who technically wants to kind of go to college, right? And they have a financial need. So year two, I was able to get, get uh, raise fifteen hundred dollars, and these are just sending out emails, uh, PayPal, just requesting for donations. So people donate twenty dollars here, fifty dollars here, some people a hundred dollars, and it add up. 
So this year, I haven't been able to give it out because of the virus, but my goal is to grow it and bring it to Oklahoma City now. And now I want to develop, I want to grow it into a mentorship program too, where these young men, I feel like what is missing a lot of times is access. So I want to be able to expose them to a Hedy Coleman, like all the great things you're doing. And it may spark somebody's brain, like, man, I want to do what he's doing. Um, and all that's missing is that connection piece. So one of my, again, uh, strengths I feel like is the ability to connect and bridge people, um, things like, like you, what you do. And so if I have a kid that may just be a happy person and wants to be used his spirit of happiness, well, I know a person that does that exceptional. Yeah. Let's talk to Hedy, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's my goal as the program grows because I'm fortunate. I feel like God has put me in a position to be exposed to several demographics. I'll be around rich people. I'll be around people that have a lot of money, but also be around people that have, don't have money. So yeah. I'm like, what do I do with that? What do I do? What is that? What is that telling me? What do I need to do with those experiences? I, I need to bridge people together, right? So I need to take these communities and expose them and vice versa so we can build and bridge relationships. I feel like that's my purpose. So with the scholarship, I want to grow it to more of a mentorship piece to where young males can be exposed to individuals that look like them, that yep. are successful in their community, and hopefully that sparks some kind of curiosity and passion within themselves, man. So I'm just using my platform to give back and hopefully spark brains, man, and motivate people. So Markley Motivate, so I want to you know, speak. I do some speaking here and there, community activism, building, and then the financial piece is just encouraging young males to go to college, man, and, and be successful. That's cool, man. Do you take the cash app? Can I cash app you a little couple? Of yeah, dollars? yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your cash? Yeah, definitely. App? Yeah, I'm in Markland too. So, so now um, I need to. So since school's out, um, the uh, this year, this spring may be on a hiatus. So I actually may postpone it to giving out the scholarship in the fall. Um, and so I have some ideas about bringing it to Oklahoma City. Uh, maybe create some partnership um, and kind of growing the program. Um, financially as well and really just uh again making an impact and so thousand dollars may not be a lot but for those kids they're like man that's another three books right that's another semester that i can keep going to college so that inspires me to to really and just you know some of the families that i've been able to connect with yeah um again a lot of them they don't have their first generation so like what do what do i what do i do when i go to college so i, I have that experience and i know so many men that have it and women so I have this big bank of people that successful people that I need to use my my resources to help people that may not have that. So that's yeah. my goal, man, is just con connection piece and uh, bridge building and connection. I love it, man. Bro, no, I love it too, man. I'm proud of you for uh, taking that idea and making it happen because so many people uh, just sit on ideas. And I think sometimes it's just we overthink it, you know, uh, versus just like, hey, man, everybody started something at zero. Get out there, right. make it happen fail learn you know you're not really failing if you're learning from it so uh man i'm proud of you because so often we'll just sit on ideas forever <laughs> versus just taking those steps man so do you do you split yeah, the thousand up or do you give the thousand to one person so the first year i did one scholarship for a thousand last year i was blessed to raise enough money for two scholarships and this year i was on the path to do three um but all the virus stuff hit so i'm gonna right now i'm kind of reevaluating um, how I connect with people since there's no more school. And so I may just postpone it to the fall and then next year give out three or four. For but sure. my goal is to continue growing it. So uh, it just depends on, uh, so we have an application process, people who read and score. Um, and each year, based off how much money we raise, we'll decide how many scholarships we give out.
So the least I want to do is five hundred and a thousand, but my goal is to give at least thousand dollar scholarships. Nice, nice. Well, man, uh, tell everybody how they can connect with you. Oh, so you can connect with me on all social media platforms: uh, uh, Instagram in Markland too. I don't have a Twitter. Facebook Norman Markland. Uh, I'm I LinkedIn Norman Markland. And so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think that I missed anything. Snapchat in Markland too. Uh, what about your uh, website? You got a website? Oh, oh, uh, I don't have a personal website yet, but that's on the to-do list. Uh, I'll have that here in the next month. Uh, so email norman.markland at yahoo.com to all that. Cool, cool. And what's that cash app again, just in case somebody wants to donate? In Markland too. Yeah, and so uh, just go on and uh, support uh, the great work uh, that uh, Norman is doing. Uh, man, I appreciate you, man, so much. And I and I enjoy you, following man. you. And, and it's been cool to watch you you and your daughter and you spending time with her. And so a uh, uh, big shout out to you and continue to do the work that you do. Uh, what about Pivot? How do people uh, learn more about Pivot? Yeah, www.pivotok.com, uh, .org, I'm sorry. Uh, also, you could you Google Pivot. Uh, we also take personal donations as well. We just opened up some tiny homes uh, last spring. Like, actually, last, yeah, this, yeah, last fall. Uh, so we take donations, food items, uh, housing and clothing items, and also personal donations, especially under these times. Uh, we aren't allowed to do a lot of the fundraising we've typically done. So you want to Google Pivot or also go to www.pivotok.org um, and see all the wonderful things we do as well. Well, hold on, man. We're just going to jump off. But tell me about these tiny houses, man. How many of y'all have them? Where are they at? Oh, yeah. So listen, man. So 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 Pivot, we have a, a 18-bed youth shelter yeah. that's specific, specific, specifically for uh, eight youth that are under 18. So we we knew that there was there's a gap, right? So if you graduate and let's say you work you work a, a job and it may be like $12,000, you probably can't afford your own space. So uh, we were fortunate to, to get this grant that so we built three tiny homes. Um, actually, my one of my best friends is one of the field managers, Marcus Uday, Uday Development. And so we built three tiny homes and we're building more. And so the goal is to put uh, youth that are in transition and may be homeless. So they get to live there with a small rent fee, like $150. And then we help them go to college and get jobs again. So we, the goal is to not only give them housing, but teach them wraparound skills to help them be successful. So right now we have three and we're building more. I personally think it's going to be a, a, a model for the country because there's a big gap in affordable housing when it comes to young adults. So um, this is a national conversation. I think Pivot is at the at the forefront of housing, not only in our county, in the state, but in the country as well, if you ask me. So I think having a tiny home is a good model, and I think you'll start seeing more of it moving forward. Man, that's legit, man. Yeah, I, I just yeah. – so my last podcast, I think it's my last podcast, I was talking to a guy, his family builds tiny homes. And he was just saying okay. how they're trying to figure out how to continue to move forward with it because uh, the financing isn't quite there like it used to be, like for people who just want right. to kind of live off grid or whatever the case may be. But it may be more so about partnering with nonprofits and organizations and building tiny homes, you know, kind of what you're saying now. Uh, because, yeah. man, it, it continues to seem like a, a conversation that continues to come up for homeless, for people who are in transition all these different things where yeah. tiny houses may be the, the right fit uh, for that. And so, man, kudos to y'all, man. Keep making it happen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Man, you just killing the game, man. Man, I'm trying to – I, I, I want to be like you when I grow up, man. <laughs> <laughs> when you going to start your podcast, man? 
Man, I, I don't know. I don't think that's me, man. I don't think I got the that, podcast in me, man. You ain't got it? Man, I, I don't think know. You got... I, I don't think that's my... Hey, I want to give you a shout out, man, because I, I, I inspired by your uh, sense of being optimistic and the way you give back. I, the notes you write, man, that's very inspiring. So I want to tell you, keep doing that because when, I, when I'm at home and I'm like, man, Hedy's doing that, I need to get up and do something. So each one, teach one and iron sharpen, man. So you are the, you the man and thank you for all that you do for the community, bro. Man, I appreciate it, man. I just, I just try to love people, man. Uh, and yeah. at the end of the day, it's all about people coming back around and saying, why do you do what you do? So I can point them to Jesus yeah. Christ. And so I, I, right. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, man. once again, thank you for hitting that play button for another episode of the Hetty Coleman podcast. And I want to say, as always, ladies and gentlemen, as always, go win. Thank you.